Hi, welcome to Conversations on Sex, Addiction, and Relationships. I'm Wendy Conquest, and I'm here with friends and colleagues, Tim Stein and Jeannie Petoni. Dan Drake is usually part of our conversation, but he is not here today, but will be joining us next time. Today, we're going to talk about shame, and we're going to do this a little bit different. We're going to do three parts. So the first part today is we're talking about shame in general. And next time we'll be talking about part two will be shame regarding sex addiction or in sex addiction. And then the third part will be shame for partners of sex addicts. So first of all, today, how do we, you know, how do we talk about shame in general so that we have a good working definition? I love talking about shame. It, <laughs> It is one of those pieces about the work that I find such joy in helping people to understand and move through. Um, I, I think that there's an important piece to, to, to start with is recognizing that shame can be healthy and appropriate, and it can also be overwhelming and problematic. And so uh, I sort of shorthand talk about healthy shame is often experienced as embarrassment. And that, you know, allows us to feel humble, to recognize that we're imperfect, just like everyone else, and to contain ourselves. Then there's the shame that usually creates problems for people, which is, uh, you know, toxic shame, carried shame, problematic shame, pick, pick your adjective to attach to that. And when we're talking about that shame, I usually find that people experience that as that is shame where I feel less than. Something happened or I did something and I feel like my value, my worth has lessened. It's interesting. Um, I don't think of it as healthy shame. I, I've, I'll use similar and a little different. You know, I've, I've done something is guilt. I I am bad because I've done something is shame. So I I knocked, I made a mistake, right? I hurt I said something, it was harmful and hurtful to another person. I've done a a, a, a poor behavior. I've said something harmful. I versus shame, I am a bad, I'm unworthy because I said that thing. So it's interesting that you're saying healthy shame, and, and I'm, I would call that guilt, embarrassment, and separating shame as, as the I am bad part. Mm. So I'm curious, Wendy, what would, how would you define? Yeah, I really like this conversation. So I was, I was thinking, you know, is there a litmus test? Because I think a lot of times uh, shame is, is, we don't know consciously that we have shame coming up. And so um, I, I am wondering if when someone is in shame, that's when the protectors, so for our audience, we did uh, a, a, a podcast on internal family systems, um, which, which talks about different parts of the psyche that comes into protect uh, parts of us that are uh, deeply wounded. And so my thought is, is that when, when shame is activated, different protectors come up. Um, that that's when people start really fighting or attacking or just uh, running away from the relationship completely. Um, so they're not even, and, and blaming, potentially blaming the other person, 
um, because something has gotten hit in their uh, emotional body and they just it, it's so difficult to um, look at or to face and so there's this knee-jerk reaction to get away where um, with with uh, as you were saying with guilt or Tim what you were saying with healthy shame um, if someone said gosh you know Wendy um, you know you, you you parked your car kind of kind of weird you know in the parking lot hopefully I would say oh wow okay I wasn't paying much attention so let me go and straighten it out right um, however that could also become a shame-filled experience experience as well Right. And I say, oh my gosh, you know, how, how could they be persecuting me like that? How could they be taking my inventory and, how, and you know, who, how dare they say that I parked wrong if I have deep shame around, I don't know, being, being, being wrong or making a mistake. Yeah. One of the things. I was thinking, let me just drop in here for the parking lot. Perfect example, because I hear that defensive posture, that protective mechanisms protecting the psyche, Right. And then there's the other part where I could see people saying, oh, I, I parked the car wrong. I'm such a bad driver. I should have been more cautious. I should have been more aware. I should, should is always shame for me when it comes up, that they, instead of a defensive mechanism, they're collapsing. They're, they're just, um, the weight of it is too great. And so there's another the reaction that could be shame as well and look different. I, I sometimes think about it Sometimes I always think about it as, am I feeling shame around what's uh, as myself, as, as the, the adult in the situation now and what's happening? So like the parking lot example, oh, I wasn't paying attention. I was busy doing other stuff. I wandered in. I, did, I parked kind of cockeyed. Oh, okay. I'm embarrassed that I did that. You know, that's my word. I, I'm embarrassed that I did that. I'll go take care of it. Or is there a wound that goes back to my past? Mm -hmm. That, hey, you parked cockeyed in, 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 in the parking lot and my mind goes to, oh, one more thing I can't do right. Everything that I do that wrong gets called out. This is gonna live with me and this is gonna be that black mark that's gonna sort of mark me with this person forever, you know, that, other people know how to do this and obvious like you know what is it you know that that deep trauma wounding that gets attached to it and then instead of reacting to that situation as my adult with and again my wording with embarrassment i react to that situation as this wounded child who's in the middle of my trauma mm -hmm. and the reaction comes out very very differently because it's not really connected to the situation and it's not really my adult self it's this wounded younger part that's desperately trying to keep from being overwhelmed by it mm -hmm. yeah mm -hmm. do we have a look on your face genie like i'm thinking something well, I was thinking something, but not in disagreement of you, Mr. Stein. <laughs> I was thinking actually about how shame, I feel like it's it's one of those things new, but not new, right? Shame is not new. It's been around for thousands of years, you know, I would say probably our human experience. And yet 
it feels like just in the last however many years, people are really, and clinicians and researchers, starting to articulate, create models, talk about treatment, really exploring what does this thing, this shame, where does it come for, from? What does it mean? How does one treat it? And so um, it's, it's kind of a new field. Yeah. It's kind of what, a new field. What would you say is the opposite of shame? What would it be? I, my, my, I guess my first thought would be empowerment or confidence. But That's I where know. I went, Wendy. I, I did. Right to confidence, like the sense of I am good enough. Yeah. I, I think and of acceptance. 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 Yeah. That, that I can accept what's happened. You know, I, uh, you know, I, I've, I, I've, I've shared on here that I've done a lot of my own personal work to, to get to where I'm at. I know for myself, my work around my trauma and shame, there was a significant shift where when I noticed that I'd made a mistake, that instead of dropping into a, a place of feeling less than, that I was able to, um, to have that acceptance of, oh, I'm human. And oh, I'm going to make a mistake and I'll clean it up. And it's not going to be the end of the world. And there was a very different level of energy there. And there was acceptance. Um, what was the word that you guys were using? Confidence. Uh, confidence, empowerment. Yeah. I'm good enough. That, that, you know, there's that ability to recognize a mistake, an imperfection, intentional or not. Mm -hmm without going into that deep wounded place exactly yeah it's like the safety net has come up with the healing that you don't drop down into that lower level and when and when our clients don't have that isn't that sort of the core of most of of, of the struggles that they have I, I, that's sort of my perspective i mean we talk about addiction and at the core of addiction is usually shame mm -hmm. and i don't want to get into the addiction conversation that's part two right Right, because right. I was going to say, I disagree, but I'm thinking I've got partners in my brain. And I was like, I don't know that that matches partners' experience about shame. Right. So, so part two and part three. Right. So, but, and for today, I'm wondering, so, you know, sex is the first word in our podcast title or, you know, other than conversations. So can we have a little bit of a discussion around shame and being sexual or shame and sex? Oh, I, I think, yes, <laughs> because I, I do a lot of talking about healthy sexuality and then unhealthy sexuality, especially when we're talking addiction and such. And so I, I feel like before we can talk about sex and shame, we have to remind ourselves and, and, and empathize with our public of sex is difficult to talk about. Lots of folks are uncomfortable talking about it. And for a lot of folks, it's extremely private. Mm -hmm. So then we've got this sort of, we, we talk about it in quieter, more closed spaces. And that in my mind is like a fertile ground for shame, yeah. you know, cause it's an isolation or it's less public. Um, not that it can't be private and sacred and fine and good, healthy sexuality. That does not what I'm talking about. But I think we, before we talk about shame and sex, we have to acknowledge the uncomfortableness of a lot of people talking That's about true. sex in general. Well, and I want to say that a lot of therapists shy away from talking about um, sex. So when I was a clinical supervisor with um, one of the centers here, I was training interns and I said, so how are you going to talk to your clients about sex? And you know, the, 
they get all kind of giggly and you know look down at the floor and you know we say wait listen this is a part of relationship this is a part of being a human being um so why would you as a as a marriage or a couples therapist why how how are you going to shy away from this you can't shy away from this right it has to be a topic that you talk about yeah where were you going when you brought the sex and shame together where were you thinking of going there wendy Wherever it goes, <laughs> you know when it, I, when I didn't. I didn't have the conversation. Goal. Yeah, it's a conversation. I didn't have a goal or. A, a, all right, all right, yeah. just checking. Well, with, with with shame and sex, I think the, the one of the things just to acknowledge is it shows up in all kinds of different ways. People feel shame about not being sexual enough. Mm-hmm. People feel shame about desiring sex. Or not desiring or sex. Or not desiring sex. People feel shame about presenting themselves in a sexual way. People feel shame about their discomfort around uh, their body and their sexual characteristics. People feel shame about their performance. Uh, there, there's all kinds of different ways. And there isn't, I, I, th- I think it's just important to just acknowledge that sex may be one of the areas that, it's, that it circles around. But shame can be attached to any aspect of that. I'm too sexual or I'm not sexual enough. Mm-hmm. I'm, uh, I, I'm too sexually developed. I'm not sexually developed enough. I mean, it, it, that, that shame and that, 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 that sense of less than can attach itself to, to it in multiple, multiple different ways. There isn't one pathway for that. Yeah. And I'm going to say that a lot of people that carry shame around um, sex and their own sexuality um, it, that, that a lot of times gets rooted in adolescence when, um, when people are developing at different rates and, um, there is, uh, favoritism or not towards uh, a popular person or a not popular person. And that, that, that's a wound that I see in a lot of, um, people that I work with. Um, it also can be uh, shame around sex can be certainly with childhood sexual abuse yeah. or I don't know, probably uh, sexual abuse anytime in life can create a sense of shame. Well, and also about conversations. I mean, it's very common that people have, have that I work with have shame around sexuality and it goes back to, well, that was never a topic that was okay to talk about in my family or the other extreme is that sex was just all over the place in my family that I feel very uncomfortable with it mm-hmm. so there's you know it, it 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 doesn't only come from peers and it doesn't only come from you know sexual experiences it can come from sort of the message that someone receives growing up in their family their community uh the you know all kinds of places yeah you know, one thing I've been kind of um again, haven't done a deep dive into this, but I've been keeping my eye on, there's some new work being done about treatment of shame. Mm. Again, this is one of those core pieces. And we've talked here today, just back to adolescence or younger childhood or family environment. And sometimes there's just a personality where people have that less than sense about themselves. But I've been looking and keeping my eyes on some of the treatments like Bessel van der Kolk, for example, who is an international famed clinician researcher in trauma, is doing a lot of work about body and shame. 
and treatment in more of the body modalities, moving away from talk therapy into the body treatment work to connect it to shame. Have you guys heard anything about this? Are you, are you seeing that that's coming out? Well, it's sort of the, the, the core of somatic experiencing, which is a trauma treatment that, and, and again, if shame has its roots in trauma, when we're doing trauma work, we're simultaneously addressing and working on the shame that's attached to it. So let's just, for the viewers, somatic experiencing, and I'm going to say this poorly because I am not a trained somatic experiencing therapist, but it's the idea of noticing what's in your body and giving um, permission to your body to move that way or act that way when you so feel inclined when you're dealing with certain material. So I, I feel like I need to push yeah. and therefore I'm, I'm using my body and doing that as I'm going through the talk therapy piece, incorporating the body into the work. Right. Um, so, and so you, you miss, uh, mentioned Bessel van der Kori somatic experiencing. Another modality is brain spotting or EMDR. So with yeah. brain spotting, there's a lot of, well, both there's emphasis on what the, what the, uh, um, this we say somatic but what you're feeling in your body so the very first thing is can you go back to that event where you did for these first feel shame what do you feel in your body and with brain spotting then you would actually find a spot in your visual field and then do a, a bilateral they call it bilateral stimulation where it can be uh, nature sounds or it can be uh, different music specifically recorded that moves from the uh, left to the right and back again. And that modality, then people uh, actually, it, it's, it's like a, it's like a go light for the body to process trauma. And people have a lot of physical sensations. They might have visuals come up. That's another way of processing trauma. Mm -hmm. You can say, and I remember one of, one of the, the trainers here um, said, well, Wendy, you know, when you're working with your clients, do you find a, a shame spot? Do you find a brain spot that's associated with shame? And I'm like, oh, that's brilliant. Yeah, of course. That's, that's what I need to be doing. I think it's important also for the public to understand when we talk about brain spotting, somatic experiencing, EMDR, it's working with a trained person mm -hmm. who's certified in that modality. This is not something you necessarily do at home unless you've had someone teach you about that. Mm -hmm. But I just was noticing that, again, Bessel's doing more body-oriented work, not necessarily somatic experiencing, which in my mind, again, is like now we're talking about shame, whereas we really weren't to the level maybe seven years ago. This wasn't as big of a topic. And of course, shame's always been there. And I feel like now there's going to be in the next couple of years, more body-oriented the treatment modalities that are addressing shame. This whole this whole field, this whole topic is exploding. No, it, there, there's a there's a piece here that I, I want to call out that we're sort of talking around, but I think it's important. And that is, you know, in my my lingo, healthy shame or embarrassment or guilt or whatever, however we're however you choose to label that, people feel that they experience it, they use it to guide them and they move on. The problematic shame, whether that's carried, toxic, however you want to identify that, th there's so much more to addressing that than just telling yourself, oh, I shouldn't feel less than about this. And, and so when we're talking about somatic experiencing and EMDR and brain spotting, what we're really highlighting is there's a much deeper process to healing, 
that problematic shame than just noticing it and saying, I'm not going to feel it because that doesn't seem to have legs. At least that's what we've seen clinically over time. It's a good first step though. You know, the awareness and figuring out where it's triggered, where it comes from. That's the good. I would summarize is, is basically it's a core of not enough. And I don't mean quantity, but it's the good enoughs. I'm not a good enough parker of the car. I'm not a good enough performer and whatever. I'm, I'm not good enough in this. It's anything that's attached to the I'm not good enoughs. And it can show up like like it sometimes shows up with money. I have this money, but somehow I don't deserve it. I don't deserve it, right? Because I'm not enough worthy of right. it. Yeah, yeah. So thinking about us kind of just wrapping this up a little bit, um, any closing thoughts on shame? Don't do it. Because <laughs> that is a very effective mantra. <laughs> so I, I, you know, I, I would invite our viewers and also our listeners to take a moment um, today or this evening, whenever you're listening to this and um, get curious about what they may have shame around. Um, and then how, how does it express itself? Do you, have you become a perfectionist? Have you become someone that just gives up? Um, have you turned to drugs or alcohol or sex or shopping to cover something that you feel is innately wrong with you? Mm -hmm. uh, and just start there by taking a little bit of an inventory. There's a lot of um, resistance to people looking at their own shame. It, it seems dangerous. It seems, well, if I do that, then what's going to happen? You know, will I implode or will everyone hate me? Or, um, But I think it's, um, if you have the courage, it's a, it's a healthy exercise. Mm -hmm. That is so beautifully eloquent. Thank well done, you. Wendy. Well done. Thank you. You guys have anything to, to say before we end? Oh, yeah. not after that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was going to say something, but maybe I shouldn't because I'm not good enough to follow <laughs> Wendy. You're in your shame. <laughs> I was going to piggyback and say, um, you know, like you said, taking a moment of, is it guilt? Again, these are my, the way I define it and separate it. Is it guilt? I made a mistake. I've done something wrong versus am I not good enough because I made that mistake? So, so looking at when something comes up, is that guilt? Is that shame? Is that embarrassment? What is that? And it's such a, an exploratory process. I do have one thing that I will piggyback on. All right, then. And that is, I will just put out there that I find a great indicator of am I experiencing shame uh, by asking myself, how old do I feel? Yeah, inner child. And, and oftentimes, if I'm in my own healthy shame, however we want to define that, I feel my my current age. If I'm in that problematic shame, less than all that kind of stuff, I often feel younger. I feel like a teenager. I feel like a little kid. There's like a tantrum reaction going on of uh, justification in my head with those sparks that I'm I'm obviously right and being persecuted. So, you know, one thing as you're considering, does this apply to me and does this show up for me? One thing you can ask yourself is, 
in this moment, how old do I feel? And if, if I feel young, there's a significant chance that you are in the middle of a shame reaction. Mm-hmm. That's great. So thank you everyone for being here with us on conversations on sex, addiction, and relationships. Please like us or share on your favorite social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, um, or any of the other platforms out there. And we are excited to see you next time. Thanks so much. Bye.